All right, good morning. We're here at uh, Spacious Podcast Studio A. I think I'm going to start calling this the On Track Podcast. What do you guys think? Sounds good, Herb. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I just thought of that. Um, By special request, we have 80% of the estimators team, actually less than 80. We include Leah, who deserves a lot of recognition here. Uh, but we we got the estimating team here of Pat Dubay. Morning. Morning, Herb. Great to be here again. Yeah. Dave Preble. Good morning. And Mike Thibodeau. Good morning. I'd like to know who requested us, though. Can I, I can't know. That's, that. that's I don't know the name. Uh, uh, Herb Sargent did. I don't know about that. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to do a, a quick bid review, bid counter review, safety topics, uh, after we have a conversation with these three gentlemen. Uh, safety topics, some shout-outs. Price is right, and there's some special commentary that goes with this Price is Right that Eric set up, and uh, then we'll have a new Price is Right for next week, and then I'll probably have some commentary about Tasha and Eric from last week in their podcast. They did a great job, by the way. Yeah, they did. Yep, yeah, they you, really huh? did. They didn't miss a beat without you. more time off. I know. They gained, they gained on it. <laughs> yeah, Herb takes more time yeah, off, and everything go. goes much better. Yeah. Okay, I, I get to where you're going with that. So Pat, Pat Dubay, chief estimator, you've been uh, you've been introduced here before. You ran through your career in one minute years ago. So, I did. Yep. so so we'll skip that in the interest of time. But I know you've got your bid counter in front of you. Can you give us a sure uh, some bids uh, from this week? We uh, put in some more solar work projects to Borrego. Uh, we did get some uh, notification and contracts this week from Borrego for three projects. So uh, that's, that's five total with them. It is. Yep. That was about- wow. Almost a million and a half dollars worth of projects uh, in Maine for three different projects. So that was uh, a good thing for the uh, cruise this fall. So nice. uh, this week coming up, uh, next week I should say Tuesday, uh, Mike's putting together the uh, site work for the new Sumner School down in Sullivan. That's a filed sub bid, so uh, that's a good process. Uh, how they deliver the per- bids there, we don't have to bid to GCs. We just uh, it's a separate bid. So. Yeah. So there's no bid shopping after the fact. Exactly. Yeah. It's a fair and uh, fair process. So uh, we're bidding some more solar work to another company called Nexamp next week. Uh, we got, they have about seven uh, portfolio of about seven projects that we're going to be pricing. Uh, Wednesday, the Shoreline Protection in Kennebunk we're, we're bidding. Uh, nice project there for the fall and winter. And Thursday, uh, Dave's working on the big uh, Bridgeton sewer project. That's a new collection system for the for the town of Bridgeton. Uh, and then we're going to Aaron's putting together a uh, landfill closure down in Wilmington, North Carolina, going in uh, the end of the week on Friday. So it's so. a good point right now to mention Aaron. Aaron did down in our Mid Atlantic office. We've only got so much space in spacious podcast studio A. We've got four microphones, so. Uh, we're going to give Aaron an opportunity to get on with us like he has in the past here again. But he's doing great work down there as well, working with Pat and and, uh, and the folks in estimating. Yeah, sounds good. So that's about it. For, we, obviously, some more bids coming up uh, down the road. But uh, uh, just to get a recap of the bids t- to date, just want to give everybody a heads up that we have put together, um, we submitted about $400 million in bids so far this year. $400 million. Yep. Uh, of which we've c- captured about $83 million, and that's a captured percentage of almost 21%, which is uh, a little on the higher side when normally pretty see. Pretty good, yeah. Uh, pretty pretty uh, proud about that, so we're uh, looking to add to it. So, so you guys are earning your pay. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's any question. Yeah. Well, these two guys right here on my right are the primary 
bidders here in New England, and uh, Dave Preble is is one of them, and Mike Thibodeau is the other one. So I'd like to introduce those guys. Sure. You're, you're running the show now. Okay. Dave, why don't you uh, tell us a little about yourself, and you start with the career, uh, of the company and Certainly. how you got started. Certainly. Uh, let's see. So 1988, I graduated college. Uh, way back then, it was called EMVTI, which is now EMCC, uh, with a building construction degree. Uh, I graduated there, and I took a position with a company, WBRC Architects Engineers, a uh, drafting position there. Uh, first day on the job, they asked me if I'd be interested in working in their civil engineering department, and I accepted. So I, I did that. I did drafting and design there for 15 years, like I said, working with structural engineers, civil engineers, and so on and so forth. Um, towards the end of it, things kind of got flat for me, and it wasn't really interesting. And um, a friend of mine who was working here at Sargent's at the time, uh, Mike Vining, some of you still remember that name. Oh, yeah. Uh, called me up and asked me if I'd be interested in coming to work here because there was a position opening up, which I accepted. I came up and, at the time, interviewed with Dave Lakeman, and he offered me the job, and that was in 2003. And here we are almost 18 years later. So you've been in the... Hold on, you've been you've got a thirty-something-year career already. That's correct, <laughs> and I'm fifty-one years old. Guy, I'm looking at him. He looks like thirty-five still. <laughs> well, in '88, when I graduated college, I was a nineteen-year-old kid. Yeah. So I started young. Good. I will say one thing about Dave is uh, he's probably one of the best CAD guys in the state. It's been yeah. said many times. Very proficient with the uh, program, and uh, he's our go-to guy. With Thank the, you. With the Thank you, CAD work. So. So, next uh, guy we have is uh, another guy from Milford, Maine. I forgot to mention that Dave was from Milford as well. Uh, all three of us actually went to Old Town High School. Yeah, yeah Old Town native. Just live across the I'm the only now. one. You I guys know. can gang up on me and <laughs> feel like we're at a softball tournament and you guys are going to kick the shit out of me. hate to go too far from home. Oh, you Broncos guys. <laughs> <laughs> but we got Mike Tibbet over here. And uh, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, career as a sergeant? Sure thing. Good morning, everybody. Um, well, let's see. I, like you said, I grew up in, in the old town area. Uh, graduated high school in '89. Um, moved on to the University of Maine in their uh, construction management program. Uh, did four years there. Graduated with a couple other employee owners uh, at Sergeant Corp. Uh, Jim Braley and Pete Broberg. Uh, I believe we all started our careers here. After that, um, I've been here uh, ever since. I was a grade foreman uh, for a few years. Trained under Scott Blanchard to do uh, surveying and field engineering. Um, I think he did a pretty good job with me. Uh, Are you working for him again now? And, uh, yeah, now I am PM, PM in a project for uh, Scott. Oh, well, he could have done guy. better, but let's not go there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, so yeah, did some uh, surveying for years. Uh, took a little hiatus in 1999, 2000. Uh, worked for uh, CV Mahar Engineers. Tried my hand at a, owning a, a local establishment and uh, came back to work in 2001. Um, back out in the field, and then uh, one winter things slowed down, I came into the office to help out in the winter doing estimating, and uh, been in here ever since, uh, estimating project management. Um, when Herb bought the company back in 05, um, they had a plethora of PMs coming in, so they asked me to go estimating full-time, which I gladly accepted, and uh, been doing that ever since, and filling in as a PM when needed, and yeah. Uh, things have been going pretty well. Yep, Mike's doing the uh, West Gardner job right now with Scott, and uh, yeah, that's one of the larger projects, thirty million dollar project that he's working on. So, yeah, so 
pitching so, in. So. so, I mean, for the first time, and well, I guess mm -hmm. we've had some bigger projects, but the ones we've got right now are uh, West Gardner at 30 million and, and back Cove in Portland at 40 million. Two of the, I, this is the only time I can recall we've had two projects that size. I mean, $70 million of our backlog and two projects. Yeah, well, and they all seem to be getting bigger uh, with the turnpike. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. it's harder to compete for the smaller projects these days with all the little companies that are out there. But uh. So I'm just going to throw this question out there. I know there's a lot of challenges, and I've, I've spent some time as an estimator, uh, both at HE Sergeant back in the 80s and then with Sergeant and Sergeant. Not so much lately because you guys don't let me in there. <clears throat> I didn't think Tim would have let you touch him anyways. No. <laughs> um, I know there's a lot of challenges, and it's probably we don't have time to go through them all, but what would you guys consider are kind of the, the biggest challenges of, of estimating of the process? Uh, oh. Working with Pat Dubé. Yeah, <laughs> number one. <laughs> okay, second best. <laughs> e everything else is tied for first or yeah. whatever. Well, obviously, it's competition, Herb. I mean, it's the it's, we're competing against other companies going after the same projects, and that's probably the biggest biggest thing for us. And uh, to try to get our costs correct, uh, get it right, and uh, have the cost covered, but still be competitive on the uh, on the end to try to get the project. So, so and, and particularly now, I mean, I think we see already the the pie. I call it the the market we bid in. I call it the pie. And when the pie is really big, everybody can eat plenty. And and when the pie starts to get smaller, uh, it's it gets tougher and tougher. So where we had one or two bids or three bids on a on a project, now we're starting to see six or eight or ten. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, and again, location is a big thing too. We we're a traveling company. Um, you know, you're, you're bidding against local companies on a lot of these projects. So uh, again, size of the project matters when it comes to local companies, and uh, you know the way we compete. And, yeah. yeah. And the quality of the documents, right, Dave? Oh, I mean, exactly. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the documents give you what they're looking for in the end result, but there's a lot of things you need to assume and take upon yourself that aren't shown there that you know need to be done. So, so documents, we all know, but a lot of folks that, that are listening don't know, you know, when you say documents, what do you mean? Specifications in, in the in the blueprints, yeah. design. Geotechnical reports, Geotechnical you know, how reports. much information they give you. Um, so I'm going to ask you cold here, like in, in a specification situation, uh, what could be a challenge of a specification? Just uh, like method of rock removal, um, how they approach that, how they pay for that, um, you know, being clear on uh, reimbursement, measurement and payment. Yeah, measurement and payment is a big thing. One. It is, yeah. So. And I guess where the you mentioned geotechnical, Mike, where the rock is. Is pretty important to us, right? If, yeah, I mean, if we have 10 feet, ten feet of rock to take out versus 20 feet, it's a big difference to us. Sure. And if they're only giving you, you know, 20 holes or 20, 20 borings on a 30-acre site, uh, it's pretty tough to get, you know, true information on what's underground there. And sometimes we bid jobs that are lump sum. In other words, we just give them one price, and that covers everything. Sometimes it's unit price where they pay us per cubic yard for dirt or rock, and sometimes it's combination. Correct. Uh, but there are many, many jobs we bid where we have to we have to estimate how much rock is there, and that's our price. Right. Yep. And we don't get paid anymore. Yeah, that's where, it, you know, it takes some effort pre-bid to either send a crew out to do some test holing if we're right. allowed to and, and get as much information as possible so we can, you know, have accurate pricing. And sometimes, you know, that helps you if you do get the job because you're you're more, you know, equipped to handle what's out there. And uh, But sometimes that can push your price up. Where you're, you know, you have too much information, so to speak, and you're out of, you know, you're out of range. 
So rock, rock is always one of the tougher challenges as you turn because you really don't know what's there until you uncover it. I mean, geotech gives you limited information, but it, it's really tough to try to quantify those things. Yeah. So you mentioned if you have, you know, ten holes on a thirty-acre site, what does that really mean? Because when you drive up and down, up and down the road, you can see the rock changes pretty quickly. Right. And we've gone in sewer jobs and drilled to see if we needed to shoot in the past and drilled like every 30 feet and said, no, everything's okay. And then in between the holes, we have six foot high rock. Exactly. So Dave, walk, walk me through, if you would, just the process you do of, of determining the amount of excavation and rock excavation on a job. Uh, The process is we go through and we usually get uh, survey information from uh, surveys and geotech. And we combine that load it into CAD and, and try to determine the surfaces, create surfaces so that we can, uh, determine our cuts and fills. Um, existing grades and old ground, we call it, is obviously easy to determine. So we're pretty a- accurate in those numbers and quantifying that. But as we just spoke on the bedrock, you're really making a lot of assumptions on where refusal is. And, and you, you kind of need to read into the geotech just to see what the general lay of the land and, and soil yeah. conditions are and make a lot of assumptions on that. Um, the more you do it, the better you get at it with anything else. But that's really what you're doing is just kind of getting a feel for what the uh, terrain is. Yeah, and and the uh, when you you log in all the all the various borings on your plan. That's correct. In CAD, that's so correct. it shows all the test pits and all the borings, and and try to identify refusal depths and input all of that data uh, to generate these reports and these quantities. So we also, I know we we're we're bidding a job. A uh, large job in Hudson, New Hampshire. We've talked about it for a few weeks now, and we don't know exactly where we stand on that. But that particular job uh, had a number of challenges. It looked like good dirt, but then all of a sudden we got some more information that had that showed some water table uh, potential issues, and then also some rock. And then on top of all that, so the type of dirt we got to deal with is one thing, but also when we got to deal with it's another huge thing. So, Pat, can you? I, mean, I know you've been involved in that. Uh, well, that particular project, or yeah, just globally. I mean, obviously yeah, globally. That's, that's the biggest risks that we really see is is geotech subsurface, um, and and how do we address that uh, in the bids, and how do we cover ourselves so we're not don't get hurt. And we bid a job like this particular one to start September fifteenth, and and now maybe it's going to start October fifteenth or November first. And that just makes a huge difference. It really does. And what our field crews, and that where I'm trying to go with this is, is we're considering all the time the type of material, but also when, so that our field crews, we're trying to uh, put in our minds what our field crews are going to have to deal with. Yeah, are they dealing uh, with frost every day? Are they having? Yeah, a cover? yeah. I mean, it's just it's paramount for us to. To, to make sure that we have this covered. So I know when we've we've gotten better, we've always been pretty good at it, but we've gotten better at at saying here are the here are the calendar dates that our proposal is good for, and if it creeps on, uh, we've got to we've got to make some adjustments. That, that's right. I mean, we have to pass those costs on to somebody. So yeah, that's, that's how we that's how we address it. I know one several years ago, the uh, apartment facility over here in Orono, we bid. It was like a nine million dollar job, and we said, well, if it goes beyond a certain date, we want to add $100,000 a week, yep. up, up to four weeks. And our competitor didn't do that. And they ended up starting the job in December at their price. And uh, I bet I, they regret that now. They definitely regret it. I can, And I think the owner regrets it too. Yep. Sure, yeah. 
speaking of that, like even uh, you know, <clears throat> bidding private works kind of a different animal than bidding public work. I mean, because we can we can uh, condition our bid right for how you know we can set. We the, say we, we include can, we this. Can set the terms on on how we're bidding this and and give them credits or you know ads to you know based on how they right. want the project. So um, that's the nice part about bidding private work. Whereas public work, you you have to respond to exactly what they Correct. outline, and if you try to offer any any kind of a clarification or anything, usually they'll find you what they call informal. Right. Correct. And uh, then you don't have a chance at the job. So. And, and private work gives us a chance to you know do some uh, value engineering for our clients, where we can you know balance sites if the engineer you know if the design design engineer hasn't done that already. You know if we have a surplus of. 50,000 yards that we've got to haul away, you know, we, we look at that and, and say, well, we can you know, try to change your grades, balance your site so you're not hauling all that material, yep. away, which saves them some money. So uh, it's just one of those added values we can offer you know, while we're doing our estimates. And Dave, I call you the grade master because you work with all yes, these, you work with all these, uh, especially these wind projects that have one acre pads perched on a side hill. It's almost like a, you know, like a birdhouse. Uh, but just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, Every every design, especially these wind farms, we we see it, they they all have room for improvement. That's not to take anything away from the design from the engineer, but when you sit down and look at it, constructability wise, there's always a better way to balance it seems and improve and reduce overall excavation and reduce overall cost for the owner. And as Mike just mentioned, on private jobs, you're given the opportunity to do that. Um, where public jobs, it is what it is. You just you bid the drawings, and I think we we you guys tend to make a shine in that in that arena. Um, you know, I think it's between operations, some input, and and also what you guys can do on that balancing front for dirt and rock and that sort of thing. R- really, I think help us become much more valuable to the people we work with. Yeah, I think we've we've seen that in the past that uh, we've had specific clients that, that come to us and say, "Hey, yeah, we'll, over and over and over." Yeah, yep. yeah. and uh, whether it be for budget pricing or you know when they're fifty percent drawing, they say, "Hey, what can you do with this? Just help us out, give us some budget numbers." Um, you know, we're not, we're not necessarily getting paid for that for by our client, but it's a service that we do that uh, keeps them coming back and, and asking us to do more work. So, so we talked about some of the risks involved with the geotechnical work and and also the weather, the t- time of year. Um, what do you see for other types of risk? Like, uh, you know, as an example, we give a price to to put in under slab utilities at X dollars a foot, but we don't know who we're going to see there for the plumber or who's going to be the GC. What do you guys see for other risks like that? Yeah, I mean, you're right on specific projects. I mean, we may give a price for, you know, electrical trenching for an electrician that we don't know who that's going to be. So, you know, we can go open up many feet of trenches they want but and then have to go away because they're only putting in 30 or 40 feet a day or, yeah. You know, yeah they they work in an eight hour day where we're working a 10 or 11 hour day so uh, or a four day week we're running into that right so there's some a places on, now on uh, you know how much or how our production rates when we have when we're dependent on other subcontractors i know we actually have two jobs right now with the same owner and so we're doing electrical trenching and we're getting you know all we can dig on one job and you know, 100 feet a day on another job, right. and we can dig seven, eight hundred. Right. So right. that's that's a big risk, not knowing who we're going to be working with. Right. And we have to assume pricing on that. We have to assume that so much production per, per day on that. I mean, it's the only way we can do it. And then either that or back it out of our bid and say we'll do this on a TNM basis. Right. Yeah. Which we've yeah. done before. But. So 
So other risks, I mean, is, is schedule is a big one. Liquidated damages on the real tight jobs. So liquid, just go into liquidated damages so, a little bit more. So typically on contracts, they give you a certain amount of days to do a project. And then uh, if you exceed those days, they charge you a almost like a fine. It's a it's a damages yep. that they're going to incur. And it's typically anywhere from 1000 to, well, I've seen them at $10,000 a day. Yeah. Uh, they charge you for the... Uh, and some of these runways. I was just going to say the airports. The airports get, get really, minute. really, yeah, they get you by the minute. I remember we had one right. down at the jet port about you know, 18 years ago, and we were working at night, and we had to be open at 6.30, and it was $10,000 for the first 10 minutes, and then $5,000 a minute after that. Yeah, that adds up. It adds up. In a, Pretty tough to So, that you know, 10 minutes late. You're uh, thirty-five thousand bucks. Right. I don't know how they come up with those numbers, but well, uh, it's trying to scare you. I'm sure it's real math, <laughs> but it makes you pay attention. So one thing I that that I know you guys appreciate is that you know we talk about in our purpose and values. The purpose is we're we're here to to really respect resources, and I know you guys know that that you hold the company's resources in your hands when you bid a job. You hold the company's resources in your hands, and and uh, how do you sleep at night? <laughs> there have been so, a lot of nights we're having. <laughs> Usually it's about three in the morning, Herb. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Try to do it with my eyes closed, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Sleep with your eyes closed, you mean? Yeah. Or bid with your eyes closed. <laughs> I, I just clarify <laughs> this. Well, I think it's it, we understand the importance of it, Herb. You know that. I mean, yeah. We take it seriously. I, and we, we have fun when we can, but uh, we take the bid days very serious. And yep. uh, uh, we have good people in Leah making sure the documents are complete. Um, that's a big thing for us. To it make, is. Make Absolutely. sure we're not informal. Right. Absolutely. Uh, she takes care of that for us. I really don't have to give it a second thought. She does a great job with that. Um, but it is a lot of responsibility, and, and, and it's a lot of trust that's put into us to get these right because you get one shot, and, and that's it. Usually that's it, yeah. I mean, on a rare occasion, we'll get somebody that comes back and says, we really want you guys, even though you're not cheap, we want you guys. Can you do anything to help us? Well, that's a great feeling when you get that call. Yeah, it is. It really is. And that's a testament to the guys in the field. Yep. 100%. So I, I do know, you know, the uh, the anguish that goes into bidding, too, because I've, I've been there myself. And, you know, when, when we need a job and you bid a job and you're second bidder by like 1%, the anguish that goes into that. But... You know, it's, you kind of have to be like Manny Ramirez from from the old Red Sox teams, right? You, you go up and strike out, and you got to just forget it right then, yeah. <laughs> or miss a fly ball, and you got to forget whatever you know. Go pee in the in the Green Monster and forget about that. But kind of absolutely, you spend a lot of time on some projects, you know, a week or more, and in, when you're not when you're unsuccessful, you you throw it in the trash, and you're on to the next one in 20 minutes. You get used to rejection in a hurry, don't you? Very much. <laughs> you get you get those scary moments when you leave. Twenty percent on the table, and you go, oh, "Jesus, did I?" Miss yeah, what something? happened? Yeah, did I missed something. <laughs> what happened there? Okay, yeah, yeah. but you know the old saying is "happy going in, happy going out." Yeah, that's right? what you, that's so, what you tell right. us. Yep. Yep. So, uh, anything, anything else to add? We usually, I'll, I'll save this to the end. I was going to ask you if you had anything to say to the folks here, but we'll save this for the very end. And right now, I'm going to move on to to safety topics, and. I guess the primary one. This is five weeks. We're we're cruising through August here now, um, and with a with a high thread of zero accidents, zero OSHA recordables in August. Now I don't want to. This is like telling the pitcher he's going to throw a shutout, but but we do have five weeks behind us right now with with zero OSHA incidents. So that's uh, that's a big that's deal a in my book. Wow. 
Now you guys know that it wasn't really us in here clapping. I always thought that was. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how you get everybody in here. but Yeah, the whole company, all the mechanics <laughs> and everything. Um, so also want to, you know, we've talked about the 7 to 1 initiative, and I don't want to pound on that too much uh, and explain what it is, but I do want to say that Richie Otis was, uh, was named one of our that guy guys this week, so I want to congratulate Richie Otis on that. Nice work. And so when we started this whole process, we had 133 employees to three safe, uh, 375 employees to three safety people. So we were 125 to one. And with Richie's uh, recognition of his of his being that guy, that moves us to 16 to one. And the goal, of course, being seven to one. So we're a hell of a lot closer than we were when we started, right? Great. So with that, we're going to move on to. Uh, Oh, did I give Richie a hand? You did. Okay. I was going to give you another one, Richie. Sorry about that. That's all right. Mike said no. <laughs> um, with that, I'm going to move on to shout-outs. And uh, the first one, we're going to share these. There's quite a few here. So the first one is from Justin Embry. And he's got a shout-out to Aaron Maribel and Tom Cahoon. They're always watching out for their crew, keeping it safe. Keep it up out there, guys. Dave? Yeah, the next one is from Chris Lynch. This is a shout-out for the parts folks for their support that many people take for granted. That's to Brad Gordon, John Robertson, and Dick Pollard. Those guys do a hell of a lot down there. I mean, really, the whole Absolutely. shop, just shop, office, all the work that goes into keeping the field supported is really, uh, really incredible. Pat? Okay, um, this one comes from Keith Edgecombe. Uh, shout out to Justin Wilson, a new hire. Uh, been with us a couple weeks. He's killing it, doing a great job in Eastport. Uh, fitting in really well, real well, he said. So uh, uh, great job, Justin. Kudos to Justin, exactly. Uh, you know, coming in two weeks and making a big splash. Nice. Mike? Yeah, the next one is uh, we got from Christopher Plord. Uh, he sends a shout out to Cody Jean. He's uh, just loves the way he sets a good example to his uh, to his crews, and he's always got a positive attitude. Uh, great job, Cody Jean. Yeah, great job. And when you're a superintendent and you get one from somebody from the crew, that's just kind of extra special. Cody's on another tough project there in Grand yep. this year. So. Yeah, he, he pulls those out from the bottom of the deck, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. I don't know. He, he's going to pull an ace one of these I, days. I want to play poker with him sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Cody. <laughs> uh, it's Adam Teen and wanted to give a shout-out to Sean Powell for all his efforts at Harbor Chase. And I know that's been a tough, tough job. And uh, he's been involved with the job since day one. Sean has, and keeping things moving, and a lot of personnel changes. Uh, Rock, we knew Rock was there, but we had some Rock challenges come up, and uh, Sean's doing a great job. Uh, another one for Aaron Day from Adam Teenan, working hard on a lot of projects around the Portland area, and he's always really got a great positive attitude and, and versatile, willing to do anything. So, thank you, Aaron. Uh, the next one's from Josh Shaw. This is a shout-out to the crew at the Hot Mix plant. He says everyone's stepping up to help out as we've been currently shorthanded. Uh, all these guys are going above and beyond to keep everybody happy, and this is a great job to everybody, including Ed Barnes, Don Keppel, Zach Noble, and Tony Adams. Good job, guys. Yeah? Uh, yeah, Kevin Gordon. He's got a bunch of shout-outs here. Uh, start with Calvin Smith and Bob Ganeller at the Gray Project. Uh, at the intersection, it's a tough project down there. I know that's a real tough spot in Gray. Uh, being proactive, helping the traffic control, anything else needed. Uh, these guys are uh, really 
pitching in down there. So Kevin wanted to give them a shout out. Secondly, loader up to Dakota Terry and always looking out for working with mentoring and encouraging less experienced personnel. Uh, bringing a lot of value to the company with loaded duties and encouraging and mentoring younger workers. So great job, Dakota. Uh, Derek True at the Biddeford Airport. Uh, he's, he says he's being the quiet professional who offers advice and guidance to laborers working around him with great attitude, helping to train the future. So uh, good job, Derek. And finally, Chandler Plant at the Biddeford Airport uh, encouraging Don, John Tucker to apply with uh, Sergeant. So he's trying to, looks like, recruit some people for us, which is great. And mentoring John and uh, learning and improving. So uh, bringing a lot of value. Yeah, that's an, that's an important thing. He, uh, you know, got got John to come on with us. Not just come on, but he's also mentoring him. And, and I want to thank Kevin for for getting these to us. I mean, he's out there a lot on all these jobs and, and getting a lot to us. And Kevin's the kind of guy that notices when things are going right or wrong. And he can help these guys when they when they need a little bit of help. Yeah, Kevin's doing a great job uh, bringing those guys along. Dave, you want to handle this one from Jim Braley? Sure. Uh, Jim Braley, I'd like to give a shout-out to Betsy Parker. She's always busy. She's always moving the ball forward. She earns her pay. She sets a great example and brings a great value. Uh, when I ar- arrive on a job, I never find her sitting still. Yeah. So that's a great job. She's been a great employee for a long time. Mike? So Sean Milligan, uh Sends a shout-out to Joshua Dearborn and his uh, box cut crew, uh, Bill Wells, uh, Billy West, Paul Elkins, Dave Sinclair, Tyler Tobin, Andrew Pigsley, and Nick Egan. All right. Sean also sends one to Reggie Weglars at the Waste Management Project in, in Rochester. I was in Rochester a few weeks ago and had a chance to talk to Reggie, and he's been a great guy for us for a long time and, and uh, really helping with the, with the younger folks. Last one is from uh, Sean through John Jangro and crew for cleaning up the Durham-Dover Road pump station project. Sean says they left the, left the site so well, they, found, they left it better than they found it. Great job. That's unusual for a pipe job. <laughs> we, nev- we never hear that from a pipe job. But... John's delivering a bid today for us. So. Is he? Yeah, he's multi-talented. Isn't he? Wow. <laughs> yeah, John, uh, John joined us last year, and he's done a great job. Uh, so that uh, it's good to hear that on that project. So uh, one big round of applause for all the shout-outs. <laughs> and we'll move on to The Price is Right. And if you may recall that Tasha and Eric uh, gave you two items to, to bid on last week, a stone box and a hydrema, and they also offered extra credit if you came up with a reason why we had both of those at the same time. Uh, I happen to know why, so I'm going to tell you why, but not until after we go through the prices. But nobody guessed at why. That's kind of disappointing. We did have six guesses on on both the Stonebox and the Hydrema, and I'm going to just uh, hit the one below and the one above, the actual price. So Stonebox, guess, Ken Thurlow guessed 6500 and the next guess was Cody Sylvester at $17,000, and a Stonebox actually cost $7,500. So Ken Thurlow wins himself a $50 gift certificate. Again. Again. Um, 
Yeah, Tasha and Eric really struggled last week with whether it was 25 or 50. But, you know, we'll give them a pass on that. The next one was the Hydrema. And we've got six guesses on that also. I'll hit the one below and above the actual price. The one just below the price is Cody Sylvester. And the one just above the price is Matt Mills. Cody's at 178.260. Matt Mills is $214,728.45. The actual price of a Hydrema that we own in the company, two of them, is $182,000. So Cody Sylvester would be the winner of the $50 gift certificate for the Hydrema. Now I'm going to – do you guys have any guesses why do. you do? Uh-huh. Because, because you, you've heard it before. Nope, I have not. <laughs> All right. I have not heard it. Do you have any guesses why, Dave? I, I don't. Okay. Uh, so the, the question is, why are we, uh, why why are those two things put together and one price is right? Patrick? My guess would be typically on a utility crew, you're, you're going to save money if you use a stone box rather than a high dreamer. High dreamer is typically used to shuffle material back and forth, and it's a hell of a lot more expensive than using a stone box. Stone box probably costs eight bucks an hour to have on the job. Right. And this Hydrema with a, with an operator is probably ten times that. But it's, it makes the life for the superintendent a lot easier to have in the Hydrema. But it's more work, but a heck of a lot more expensive. So what we're trying to highlight here is that is that we ought to use stone boxes uh, to for the excavator to get stone to put in there in the trench bedding or, or backfill or whatever. Versus using a hydrema, and frankly, hydrema is so small that I mean it holds about seven, eight yards. And by the time you get what you can get out of it, there's probably still three or four yards left in it. Um, so that's the reason. That's I think you're right. That was my same reasoning, mm-hmm. and we'll find out because if you were right about that, we both get fifty dollar gift certificates. <laughs> All right. Okay. With that said, I, I want to. Talk about what the price is right is for this week. And this is kind of an unusual one. I've, I've been trying to hit a few different things here. So the price is right this week is how much did the 4th of July paid holiday cost the company in payroll cost? So what we're trying to do is, is kind of outline what different things cost. And so the question is, what did it cost us in payroll cost to pay the 4th of July holiday. So did anybody work on the 4th of July? Some people did, yeah. We had a job in Rochester, and a few guys are down there working. Was that time and a half on a holiday, or how was that work? Uh, I'm getting a little specific now, aren't I? Uh, you're asking a lot of questions I wish you'd just shut up about. <laughs> How's that? So, anyways... If there were nobody working on on the 4th of July holiday this week, let's forget them. And uh, everybody just took the day off and had the day off and got paid. What would that cost? Send in your guesses. Finally, as we wrap it up here, I want to uh, comment on Tasha and Eric last week. They they really did a great job. I, 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 uh, I did have full editing power over that. And I just let it run. Regis and Kathy Leo. Even the part, what's that? Yeah. Even the part where she said, I think that's going to get edited out. I just let it ride. Uh, but they did put out a, a challenge that they wanted that podcast to be the most downloaded podcast 
since we've started these. I'm not sure if they meant for all time in the future either, but uh, I think what I'd like you to do is stop downloading it right now. <laughs> okay, just ignore that past one and download the hell out of this one. There you go. Because these estimators are carrying your asses in their hands every day. I can tell you that. Oh, come on, Herb. That's the truth. I'm, I'm, my, my desk happens to be right in between all three of you guys. I, you, know, you can see the sometimes the uh, chaos. I don't, don't want to call chaos. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I almost said frantic, but it's not frantic. It's not chaos. It's controlled chaos. It's controlled chaos. It's high, controlled high chaos. But I, I, I can see the disappointment when we miss a job by a little bit or whatever. And I've been there. And I can see, you know, the feeling of of invincibility when we get a job. Maybe not invincibility, but something like that. So I want to thank you guys. This ought to be the most listened to one because without you guys getting us a job, nobody does one. I appreciate that. So with that said, I'm going to start with you, Pat. you got the whole company here you're talking to. I can't even, I'm not going to be able to get these headphones off my head. I, I know. It's growing so big. Well, you couldn't get them on to begin with. <laughs> we had to get two shoehorns on them. <laughs> I just want to thank all the hard work for the guys in the field out there. That's that's where it starts, and it gets us uh, a little bit more competitive on the projects. We can see the job costs are getting better, and uh, that's huge for us, the production uh, you guys are doing, so appreciate that. Mike? Yeah. Um, repeat what Pat says. You know, appreciate what everybody's doing out there. Uh as an estimator, you don't get out to see the actual production going on as much as we'd like to. Um, just being a PM, I've been able to get out there on, on the West Gardner project and seeing what these guys do and battling the heat and the cold and the, you know, it's uh, really appreciated on, on what you guys go through. Yep. Dave? Well, the three of us are all very competitive people, so that's what kind of what keeps us going in this estimating. We don't like to lose, so it, it that makes it fun. Um, but to repeat these guys... The credit goes to the guys in the field. They're the ones that make it happen. Uh, it really boils down to them. So kudos to them. Thank you. So the the other side of it, I mean, I just gave you guys a lot of credit, and you deserve a lot of credit. The other side of it is, you, you in effect, we're here in Stillwater making promises, and those folks are out there filling them. Right. And that's that's really uh, – a great feeling for me when I was when I was bidding work and and I knew that you know the stuff was getting done out there and and getting done right. And again, yeah, I mean when we get repeat calls from from clients, it's not because we did a good estimate. It's it's because you guys uh, did it out in yep. the field. So absolutely. Okay. Any any final thoughts? No. We're good. Everybody's nodding. They want to get out of here. <laughs> okay. We got so, estimates to do. So yeah, get some more bids out. Yeah. Okay. So with that, we're gonna we're gonna let you go. A shorter one this week, and uh, probably more appreciated by you uh, at 38 minutes. Wow! Um, so I want to thank you all again. Five weeks in a row with zero OSHA incidents. Let's do it again next week. Zero accidents.